The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. All right, welcome back to this week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris, and we are back on video after a a week off to fix our technology. So let's cross our fingers that uh, everything works and and everything moves smoothly. We've got a big show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Texas visit weekend. We're going to talk about the uh, taking two quarterbacks in this class and what that might mean. I think Nick's going to have a little basketball for us, and, of course, we'll get to our picks. But before we do all those things, Nick, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Can't complain. Um, getting ready to go to Louisiana this weekend. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but excited to go to the boot. I don't think I've ever covered a game in Louisiana before, so I'm excited to get out there. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm thinking while I have you here, there's a little show planning on the fly, a live show planning idea. So since we've moved to this new platform, we haven't really done the mailbag. I'm thinking maybe we change the mailbag um, to a maybe weekly or monthly thing where we do like one mailbag a month um, and, and just take, you know, we, we'll, we may make most of the show the mailbag. Um, and, and so if anybody out there is looking for something like that, um, that's, uh, that's basically what I'm thinking in my head. Nick, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. We could just get a whole show out of it because sometimes we do get asked the same questions week after week. So I think that would probably be more productive anyway. Yep. There we go. All right. Um, let's jump right into it. It was a big visit weekend for Texas. Probably didn't end how they wanted with a loss to Oklahoma state. Uh, but despite that, there were a lot of visitors on campus and a lot of great, uh, I, I think great reviews came out of the weekend. Um, I was on campus for the game. Um, and I, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't think I kind of hemmed and hawed over the idea of going over to Moncrief afterwards and and talking to recruits as they were coming out. And I ended up doing it and I'm glad I did because I got some raw reactions right afterwards. And I think that for the most part, everything, um, was pretty positive. Uh, I think, um, for Texas, Obviously, you want to win the game, right? That's the most important thing. Um, that's really how you maximize a visit. But for Texas, coming out of the weekend, I think that two big priorities were there. That was, um, you know, doing a great job on the official visits you had and making an impression with Arch Banning once again. And I think they did both of those things from from what we heard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a big weekend when you have uh, the number one quarterback in, in the class uh, on campus, and especially with it being Arch Manning. Uh, but just kind of looking around at the rest of the visitors that were all there, I mean, you have Evan Stewart, Malik Ogbo, uh, Ernest Green, Larry Turner Good. I mean, there were a, a ton of big time um, uh, recruits on campus. And, you know, given the game probably didn't go uh, the way everyone wanted, I think recruits definitely see an opportunity to come in and play early and develop under the staff. 
Um, and I think they were able to communicate that really well, uh, you know, based on from what you've heard, Mike, and what I've heard, you know, uh, that there isn't a lot of panic when it comes to Texas right now. I think they believe in this first year coaching staff for the most part. And I think it's given them, uh, you know, a lot of opportunities with some guys like Evan Stewart and whatnot. So, um, you know, for the people that are looking at, at performances, I feel like we talked about this a lot last week, too. I feel like if you're looking at performances, uh, maybe don't panic so much because the, the recruits are not doing the panicking yet. So. Um, you know, all in all, I think it ended up being a successful weekend given the result, um, especially having Arch Manning on campus, you know, from, from everything we've heard, things went well. Um, and, you know, we'll see where, where things go from here. Yeah, I think the individual result thing, it's always a hot button topic, right? Like after every win, all right, Mike, what commits are we getting? And after every loss, okay, how many commits are we losing? But, you know, in the end, it doesn't sound like this year they're dealing with that as much. And, I, you know, I've kind of talked in the past how I felt Texas was out of the grace period of recruits and, um, you know, not getting that benefit of the doubt. But it seems like this staff is. And I think a large part of that is um, a lot of the relationships they've built. You know, a lot of these guys talk about, well, you know, we've got good relationships with the staff and, we believe in them. And, and I've told people this a lot. Kids don't see these teams as what they are now and, and what they're going to be in a couple of years. They all think that they can fix the problem. They all think that they're the ones to do it. They've just got to trust that the coaches that are there are going to be the ones to help them do it. So, um, you know, for the most part, I think a lot of that's in play. And we heard a lot of that with Arch Manning. Um, there was a lot of talk of, hey, he's not really that concerned if you lose or win games this year. It's more about – um, is that a place he could see himself? Is that an offense he can see himself in? Uh, the relationship with those coaches, the relationship with some of the players, and just the lifestyle of living in Austin, I think, are, are, are the big things he's looking for. And to me, Texas checks all the boxes when it comes to that. I think that um, they did a great job this weekend. Uh, you know, Arch was basically – it's funny because when he comes to town, it's almost like a president coming to town, right? It's like, oh, here's a Manning. But if you know Arch, if you've ever talked to him, and if you talk to the people around him, he just wants to be a regular kid. I think he could have probably starred in a Disney movie where he is somebody famous son and he spends the whole movie going, I just, I just want to be regular. I just want to do the regular things. And so I think Texas did that, maybe even a better job. Nick, if you remember back when we were – uh, when we last time Arch was on campus in June, it was very clear Arch was on campus and there were like presidential motorcades almost for him. Um, I think in this case, he was just treated like a regular recruit a lot. Uh, he was surrounded by a couple good guys you could be surrounded by it, it, Cole Hudson and Connor Robertson and some other guys from the area. But um, to me, I think that was almost the biggest key this time was just treating him like he's one of any other recruit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Sarkeesh has done a really good job of building that relationship. And I think that relationship is to the point now where they're comfortable with each other. So, you know, I don't think Texas necessarily has to go over and beyond to, to make Arch Manning feel like he's welcome. I think he gets that already. Uh, at this point, it's just further developing that relationship, showing what, uh, you know, he, he would be able to do in the Texas offense. Um, and, uh, you know, just being, you know, very personal, personable at the end of the day with him. Um, and, and from everything we've heard, that's exactly what, what Texas was able to do. You mentioned all those uh, aspects as far as you know, in an offense, he wants to play in good relationships with coaches in a, a, a lively city. You know, Texas checks all those boxes right now. And I think, you know, post visit, 
I think Texas did probably everything they could have done, um, uh, you know, to, to put themselves in a good spot moving forward. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it. I was thinking about it last week. This is probably the last visit Texas will get most likely until decision time. You know, we kind of expect something to ha happen in the early to mid spring. And if that timeline, you know, stays consistent, this will probably be the last opportunity Texas got at, at getting him on campus. So, you know, I think Texas did everything they could have done. I think, uh, you know, building relationships with uh, some of the 22 commits was really big this week as well. Um, you know, with Cole Hudson and Connor Robertson, those are potentially two guys that could be blocking for him down the line. So, you know, I, I don't, I can't really point at one negative thing that happened for the Arch Manning recruitment this past weekend, other than, you know, the game losing. But at the end of the day, I don't think that's big, that big of a deal. I want to go back to just talking about him being a regular kid and, and illustrate why I think that works against some people in this recruitment. I had heard, you know, you saw the big story that Lane Kiffin only follows one person on Instagram and it's Arch Manning. I had heard from somebody close to him that that actually was not that well received by Arch. It was kind of weird um, to him. And so um, things like that, you know, obviously Ole Miss, everybody's joking about Ole Miss this week because they're, they're painting Manning in the end zone for Eli Manning's uh, jersey retirement this weekend while Arch is going to be on campus. But like the stuff of well, he was at Georgia. The student section had their had his name painted on their chests and stuff. I, I don't think he loves that. I really don't. Just knowing Arch, he's kind of a, he's. I wouldn't say uncomfortable with the spotlight, but he is not a kid who seeks the spotlight. If that makes uh, if that makes any sense. The other thing in his favor, or, or in Texas's favor, and I want to be careful how I state this because I think. Um, people are going to read into it and extrapolate it out further than I mean it to go. But there was a lot of talk with some uncommitted guys this week, Jonte Cook and even Evan Stewart, about these are the weapons that could be available at Texas. You know, if Texas gets Evan Stewart, that's a guy I'm looking at to throw the ball to um, if I'm Arch Manning. Um, you know, if they get Jonte Cook, obviously, in that class, those two are, are, are close. But <clears throat> I think um, – you know, a lot of those a lot of those subjects came up for him at Texas to kind of balance out the, uh, you know, what he saw on the field. Obviously, Georgia recruits at a very high level as well, Alabama. Um, but I think for Texas, they've done it all they can. I think that they put themselves in the best position. I keep saying that that they're in as good of a position right now as you can possibly want to be. Um, I think that if you ask me where they are coming out of the weekend, I can't sit here and tell you they're the top school. I don't know that for sure. I do think they are, uh, they don't take a backseat to anybody. Yeah, I agree. I think Texas is in a really good spot. Um, and you know, I've kind of mentioned everything on it already, but uh, I mean, the visit, fantastic. Uh, the relationship there, fantastic. Uh, even Sarkeesian and Milwee went out to new Orleans last Thursday night to see him in person. Uh, before the visit, you know, that's another fantastic move. Uh, there's just not many negatives you can draw from Texas push. And I think if he ends up committing elsewhere, uh, I think the staff has to look up and be appreciative of the effort that they've given. Quickly, um, the, we, we recapped all those visits and everything going on with that weekend in the stampede. I think we did a pretty thorough job of that. Um, but uh, I think if you're looking for headlines coming out of the, the official visit weekend, um, really good job with the two offensive line guys on campus, Ernest Green and Malik Ogbo. I think that they've put themselves solidly in the mix for both of those. Um, if you look at where things are with the Louisiana guys, I think they make good impressions on Quincy Wiggins and uh, Jacoby Matthews, but I still think there's going to be work to be done there. Um, and, and getting those guys on campus and doing your best is is great, but you're going to have to outlast some other teams that are going to get other, uh, you know, uh, later trips. And then um, who am I missing? I'm missing one more official visitor. 
Larry uh, Turner Gooden. Larry Turner Gooden. Um, yeah, I, I, everything sounds like it went according to plan there. That's another one that we'll just have to see uh, how time plays out. Um, in a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I, I first reported in the Stampede about a month ago, Texas is looking to take a second quarterback in this class. At the time I reported it, I reported that uh, Draper, Utah, Corner Canyon quarterback Devin Brown would likely be the guy they target at the high school level, and Texas offered him earlier this week. Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Milwee will both be out in Utah uh, this week on the off week to go see see some guys, and I think that, that Brown um, is obviously the primary target. Um, I wrote a lot in Mike at Night this week about – the perils of recruiting two quarterbacks and it's tough. It's a tightrope and I've seen it. I've covered a lot actually in my career. Tom Herman was really adept at it actually. I mean, if you look back at his first class, Casey Thompson and Cam rising both in that group, holding those guys together when it seemed like, you know, when they, when they got cut cam in the spring that, um, you know, Casey was for sure gone. And now we see who the starting quarterbacks are uh, at Utah and Texas. Uh, it's both those guys. In 2020, uh, Hudson Card, Quinn and Jackson, getting both of those guys, holding on to them. Obviously, once those guys get there, probably somebody's going to transfer. But getting two in the class, it's tough for a number of reasons. So here Texas is once again. They've got Malik Murphy committed. Um, I, I want to talk first of all about where Murphy's head's at, because I've talked to him a lot. I've talked to people around him a lot. I think if you're Malik Murphy, he's very justified to feel the way he feels, and that is that he wants to be the only quarterback in the class. He wants them to say, we have total faith in you being the guy. And that's the way – I think he's justified in saying that. But Malik also understands the, the depth. He understands that anywhere he goes, it will be a competition. Um, and so, you know, he's ready to roll. He's ready to move forward, I don't think – there's any hurt feelings on his end from everybody I've talked to. Uh, I don't think there's any alternate planning behind the scenes from everybody I've talked to. Um, so everything seems to be good on that front. Um, on the Devin Brown front, I think that if you look at the the comments he gave to Blair and Gulo when, when Blair uh, interviewed him this week, um, you got to be really, you have to be very, uh, encouraged by the fact that he referenced the Alabama quarterback room under Sark and the quality of competition they had there, not being afraid to compete against the best uh, for your starting spot. So, all in all, um, it's going to be it's going to be a tightrope. But Nick, I'm I'm curious uh, your thoughts on the situation. Yeah, um, you know I I find it really funny that um, Malik and Devin they actually grew really close uh, during Elite Eleven. Yeah, you know those are two guys that worked a lot together. Uh, during that week in California. Um, and now they're, you know, possibly could very well end up in the same class of Texas were to land Devin Brown's commitment. So I think that could definitely play into Texas's favor uh, and, you know, appealing to both guys, especially, you know, Devin Brown as someone they're trying to get into the class. But, you know, you mentioned Malik and, um, you know, having to walk that tightrope. I don't think there would be any concerns with Malik. I was, you know, talking with someone uh, a couple weeks ago and they had asked me, you know, who, who are the probably the most solid commits in the class. I was like, man, it's, it's hard to find one uh, more solid than Malik Murphy. Uh, even, you know, bringing in a second quarterback, I don't think that would change his mind. He has a really good relationship with Sark and Milwee. Um, You know, that's a relationship that they built from uh, Sarkeesian being on campus in January from day one. Um, and pushing for Devin Brown, I, you know, they've communicated that well with him. Um, you know, we, he knew about that before we even did, which, you know, is very encouraging. 
Um, so, you know, the communication is there. I think that's all you can ask for uh, when it comes to, you know, recruiting two quarterbacks. But looking at Devin Brown, you know, this is a really, really fun uh, talent. Um, it's his uh, first year in Utah after transferring in from Arizona. Um, obviously, with the whole USC situation being what it is, um, he, he's starting to look around and, you know, feel out his other options. Ole Miss is going to be a player. Ohio State is going to be a player. Um, Ohio State, you're going to have issues with depth. Of course, they have a you know pretty talented quarterback room. Um, at Ole Miss, it's a little bit of the same, but you know there's probably a, a straighter line to you know getting some playing time there. Um, and then at Texas, you kind of look around the quarterback room there. I, I think you kind of see an opportunity to play if you come in and you know compete well with Malik Murphy if you're Devin Brown thinking that. So um, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, Texas is going to get him on campus for an official visit in November uh, for the game against Kansas. Uh, we'll see how things develop after that. But um, you know it's definitely an interesting development in the class that I probably would not have predicted about three months ago. So. Nick, shame on me. I forgot to even ask you. I forgot you went and covered Elite 11. So what were your thoughts on Devin Brown out there at that event? Because that was Devin Brown's coming out party. Devin Brown went from mid-level recruit to top 100 guy because of his performance out there. Yeah, you know, coming in, uh, there's 20 quarterbacks that uh, just kind of laying the groundwork. There's 20 quarterbacks um, that go to that competition. On the first day, they do some group stuff, um, you know, and, and work around with some different drills. And then on the second day, they do the pro day. On the first day, I didn't really notice Devin Brown just because I was uh, focusing on Malik Murphy's group. He wasn't in his specific small group that day. Um, but on the second day, when they were doing the pro days, Devin Brown blew everybody away. They By the end of his performance, he had everybody in the stadium, you know, giving him a standing ovation. I think he ended up with like a 46 out of 50 in his pro day uh, event on that second day. I'm pretty sure he won the pro day. So uh, that was really his coming out day. And then um, during the seven on seven later in the week, he really shined there as well against some of the best DBs in the country. Um, so he was a lot of fun to watch. And the USC reporters that were there were definitely, you know, uh, happy to see his performance. And there was definitely a lot of hype in, in Southern California that week around Devin Brown. So, yeah, he was a lot of fun. And I think if Texas was able to get him, I think they'd really be able to further develop that talent around Steve Sarkeesian. All right. Um, so we'll keep track. Of, we'll keep track of that. Um, it's likely I will get to Utah at some point now to go see Devin Brown, uh, just because I think quarterbacks make for important stories. Um, and uh, we'll see how everything goes. Keep it tuned to, to 24-7 for that. Before we move on, Nick, uh, you got a little basketball news for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it feels like it's been a little while since we had a little basketball segment on here. But uh, Texas had a five-star small forward on campus this past weekend as well. It was a big visit weekend for them as well, having him on campus. Dylan Mitchell, a uh, five-star small forward from Montverde Academy in Florida. Um, this has been a weird recruitment if you're looking at it from Texas' perspective. Uh, they really started to apply pressure in about late June um, after the uh, live evaluation periods and went out to Montverde twice on two different occasions to go see him, uh, meet with him, meet with his mom, meet with his coach. And they really built a strong relationship there in the two months that they were recruiting him really hard. Uh, so much so that uh, they were able to land in Dylan's top three uh, and get an official visit out of, out of the ordeal. Um, he took an official visit to Florida State. Uh, back in uh, early July and an unofficial visit to Tennessee in late June. Those were the other two schools in his top three, and both of them were kind of fighting neck and neck before Texas came into the picture. Uh, and then Texas was able to enter that race and kind of, you know, uh, position themselves among those contenders. And after the official visit this weekend, everything that we're hearing is that Texas has jumped into the pole position for, uh, for Dylan Mitchell. I entered a crystal ball today as we are recording uh, for Dylan Mitchell. Um, 
you can go back and, and kind of read my reasoning for that. But, uh, you know, a decision is expected here pretty soon. I would expect it to be by the, uh, by the end of the month. Um, so, uh, you know, Texas might be getting another five-star commit here pretty soon to join Arterio Morris. I did see that kid. Um, I was a, They brought him out on the sideline, and uh, I knew right away he wasn't a football commit because he's very large. Um, I like way like it's weird when you see like uh, forwards in basketball because you're standing on a field literally with monsters like Anthony Jones is out there, Quincy Wiggins is out there. Those guys are monsters, and then this guy comes out and he's towering over all of them. So. Um, uh, yeah, he uh, a formidable looking guy. And it is Big 12 Media Day uh, as we're recording this. So I've seen uh, Chris Beard has uh, has everything and has uh, has spoken today. So, uh, yeah, Texas basketball should be getting it, excited. It's, it's funny you mentioned the size thing. Um, I, I went to an AAU tournament about, oh, goodness, it's probably about a year and a half ago. Um, and uh, Harold Perkins was playing with one of the uh, 16U Houston teams. And, you know, I had been seeing basketball kids all day that were 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", you know, just very large humans. And I went to go see Harold Perkins play in the other gym in the 16U game or whatever. And I remember walking up to him. I was like, wow, Harold looks really small. Like, this is this is very concerning. <laughs> and then I saw Harold literally the next week at a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament, and he looked massive uh, among the football players. I was like, wow, the, the, the difference between the two is really striking. <laughs> I always laugh because Jason Terry, I believe, was a was also a football player in college at a point in time. And, like, you think of Jason Terry in terms of the NFL or the NBA, and he's tiny, right? Like, he's, like, the smallest guy out there. But he's 6'2". Like, he would be one of the bigger receivers on the field at most yeah. times. So that's always the, uh, the, the thing you get there. Okay, um, if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. We are going to uh, bring in um, our friend Guy Frazier now and uh, get on to our high school picks. And there he is, the greatest of, of, of guys. Um, it is the great Guy Frazier. Uh, Guy, how's it going? Well, I was just listening backstage there, and it's funny Nick brings up that Harold Perkins story because when you brought up size, I immediately thought of that because Nick and I were together that day, actually. That's right. That's right. And I made that comment, which Nick had to kind of adjust my eyes and be like, well, remember, you're in the basketball gym right now. So 6'3 looks small compared to these guys. So uh, anyway, um, yeah, I, I thought about that story. I think that was like the last Gasso tournament of, of the 2020 summer, I believe. That was a good day. Was a lot of yeah, something like that. So, something like that. Anyway. Next year, next year, I'm going to make it out, I swear. Well, see. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It depends because now Anthony Anthony Black is no longer there. So who's going to draw my attention to get out to a tournament? That's very true. I might come just on one of those weekends. I got nothing going on. Mike, uh, the big basketball guy. Hashtag sick Mike, week. I might come and sit in the stands and stare at my phone. So, <laughs> um, all right, guy uh, is back, of course, to do our high school picks. Um, Nick. I believe there has been some movement in the standings. There definitely has. Um, I had a bad week last week in the picks. I went three and three, and uh, the other two gentlemen here went five and one. So that puts Mike into the lead at 30 and seven. I am at 29 and nine, and Guy is at 17 and six moving forward. Who did you miss on last I, week? Uh, I missed on um, Wentorst. Yeah. I missed on CE King, and then I missed on Wichita Falls Rider. Oh, you picked Ryder. That's right. I, sure I, I walked away last week thinking 
man, we all kind of picked the same team, so there's probably not going to be that much separation. Uh, but I guess we didn't. Yeah. Unfortunately, we, yeah, we did not. <laughs> um, and I'm sure Guy wants to gloat on how he told us all that Munster would beat Winthorst. Uh, it was a great football game. I don't know if anybody was wrong there. I mean, that was two of your top three teams and two AD2. And, I mean, I think it was a low-scoring game, actually, which kind of shocked me a little bit. Although I think Nick got that right. I think Nick predicted that it would be a low-scoring affair uh, despite two teams that have been kind of explosive offensively this year. So while he didn't get the – the correct team. He had the correct outcome, I guess. So, so moral moral victories all around. All right. Sure. What do we have on the What do we have on the slate for this week? And uh, remember to tell us which our double down game is. Yeah. So our, our double down game will be a DFW game. Actually, it'll be our third game that we get to. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good slate this week. Uh, you know, around the state, it's not as good as it has been the last two weeks, I'd say. Uh, but with that being said, it's still. Um, pretty strong slate we have good you know good five games here to go through so starting things off uh 7 p.m thursday night at road stadium in katy texas the number 10 fort bend hightower hurricanes are six and one will travel over the face off with their district mate the number nine katy paytow panthers who are seven and oh uh paytow enters this game as a nine point favorite according to dave campbell's computer uh quick little note this is a Ginormous game uh, in 10-5 AD1 uh, this week. Probably your district championship. Um, I, you know, I guess something could, you know, could still play out. Uh, but considering everything, this was thought to be the year kind of Manville uh, would run this district. And while they're still in the heat of things and they'll be a playoff team, uh, so far Hightower and Paytow have kind of uh, distanced themselves as the one-two punch. Um, another interesting thing is Paytow in the last four weeks uh, has outscored opponents 272 to zero. Uh, not the best competition when you're playing the Houston Milbys of the world and some of the other HISD schools, uh, but that's still pretty impressive. Uh, and then Hightower, who's been a little bit down the last couple of years or more middling, is on a little bit of a redemption tour this season. So this should be a pretty fun one Thursday night down the Houston area. Mike, I'll let you go first, and then we'll do our typical order. Yeah, um, I remember a few years ago seeing Paytow's name and was like, what the heck is that? Um, <laughs> I, it just kind of popped up one day. I think I saw recruiters up from there, and I'm like, what is this school? Um, so it is good to see them kind of like, oh, Paytow's good now. Um, and, man, Fort Bend Hightower, I know they've got a lot of talent because uh, Coach Sam, who's at Bowie now, um, just came from there to kind of – added infused some program into that talent uh some talent into that program um while he was there not knowing a ton about either team uh and just kind of scoreboard watching their programs i'm inclined uh just to kind of roll with the team that's looked more impressive here uh on the scoreboard and that to me is paytel mm -hmm. so um I'll, I'll go with them uh, you know, I'm disappointed, disappointed in both of y'all, but specifically Guy, because I feel like he should know this. It's actually Katie Pato. I said Pato. Well, you said Paytow. Well, okay, Nick. Nick, all look, right. we're all not we're all not from Nick. You know, we're not we all Harris County like you. Adore Houston <laughs> the way you do. Um, time, out, time out! Time out! Time out! 
The amount of names that Nick has pronounced wrong in his mm-hmm. life. And I just let it slide every time. Regularly. Like, a couple yet, weeks ago, was... a couple weeks ago on this very <laughs> show, he said Burnett. It's Burnett. Oh. And I just let it slide. I said, you know what? I'm not going to correct him. But now I'm going to correct him. Yeah. The, uh, the audacity. The lion, the witch, and the audacity of yeah. Nick. <laughs> Young Nick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm taking paid up. Uh, Fort Ben Hightower, they do have Caleb Douglas, the USC wide receiver commit. You know, they've been doing some good things on offense. But – Pato hasn't allowed a point in four weeks, which is really impressive. Um, they have a really good, uh, a solid group of underclassmen. The only thing I worry about with, as far as their longevity as the season goes on is those underclassmen. They don't have a ton of experience under their belts, but it is a really solid group. Um, 2023 athlete CJ Johnson is somebody I'm really high on. The uh, brother of LJ Johnson, um, the 2021 uh, Texas A&M running back commit. Um, he's, he's doing some good stuff on both sides of the ball for Pato. So I'm going to take them in this first game. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think that's the kid we were discussing on Twitter the other night, Nick. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know he was related to LJ, so that's interesting. Um, Yeah, I'm going to roll with Pado here, too. Hightower always has a lot of really good explosive athletes in the skill spots, uh, and I think they're much more on the right trend this season than kind of the middling pack that they were in the last couple years. Uh, I think the curious thing, big picture for Pado going forward, is they're now just getting to the meat of their schedule. Um, they've kind of gone through the so- soft part of district. Now they've got Hightower, Manville, and Angleton all in the next three weeks to close out, you know, uh, regular season play. So I guess we'll see kind of what they're made of. Uh, this has been a season that they've been building towards for a couple of years now. They were 3-7 and seven in 2018, which I think is kind of the first year that Mike and I would have first noticed their name. Then they were eight and three last year, then nine and two a year ago. So they've been building towards this. Maybe this is the year where they take that next step uh, in D1 and, and, you know, kind of flex their muscle a little bit there in Region 3. So I'll roll with Pado, too. I guess we're all in lockstep here. Uh, Going on to the next game, 7 p.m. Friday night at Mustang Stadium in Maynard, Texas. The Pflugerville Wise, I think they're the Bears. Is that correct? Am I right? There? I know they're not wise. They're wiss. I learned that. Is last it wiss? Really? We're not. Yeah. We're, we're not going to do this, guys. We're not <laughs> just let you know. I'm just letting really? you know. You're zero for two. Yep, you're okay, 0 for well, two. I'm guys. actually zero for three. They're the wolves. It's a newer school. <laughs> it's funny. I actually have a, one of my best friends. His name is Wise. He spells it that way. So, anyway, uh, they're six and one. They're going to play Mainer, who's the home team. They're the Mustangs. I do know that part. Uh, they're six and one as well. Um, Wiss is a three-point favorite in this game, according to DCTF. Uh, this is another big-time game for district play, this time in 11-5 AD1. So same region. Uh, Wiss, Maynard, and Cedar Park are kind of your three top dogs with Georgetown kind, kind of humming along here lately. Uh, with that said, I think this is your district championship game. Mike, I'll let you take it over. I'm going to call him Weiss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who did you hear this that- from, Nick? Uh, from somebody who went to that high school, actually. That's um, that sounds suspect yeah. to me. That's shaky, skeptical. Uh, yeah, yeah. Could I, be met a, I met a guy from Pflugerville last week. Okay. I'm skeptical. Um, I, you know what? I heard. I remember being uh, on an Austin sideline a couple weeks ago and ran into a luminary of the Austin football area, Anthony Williams, who told me <laughs> I'm going over to Pflugerville Weiss after this game. So if Anthony Williams calls it Weiss, I will call it Weiss. Um, 
this is an interesting one because like a year or two years ago, I was kind of watching some kids at Weiss and they just like, I thought, man, like that's not, those are some talented kids, but that's not a very good football team. And all of a sudden they've, they've become a pretty good football team. Um, that said, I have a little more familiarity with Maynard. Um, I know their head coach a little better. I know their program a little better. Um, Nick and I once witnessed the worst football game of all time on the sidelines at a Maynard Leander Rouse game. <laughs> Correct. Uh, on a Thursday night. That's when we first met officially and the, the beginnings of this relationship started to bloom. Um, and so in honor of Nick and I's partnership, I'm going to be picking Maynard. You're going to make me blush. Um, I am picking uh, Wiss in this game, which by the way, I texted this guy and I hope he responds by the end of the show. I want to double check that that is how you pronounce it because he told me it was something weird and I do remember it being Wiss. But I'm taking Wiss in this game. I think they've uh, been a little bit stronger through district play. Maynard has had to squeak by some uh, a couple of teams throughout the way. Um, so, you know, give me Wiss. Okay. Yeah, so I honestly don't know a ton about either of these teams. I know they've been kind of hot there in the Central Texas area, so I've kept a little bit of eye on them just because I'm a big 5AD1 guy with my HP connections. But I uh, looked into them a little bit today. You know, Wiss does have a couple playmakers on the offense. Tavian Cord, he has a UNLV offer. He's visited there sometime within the last four to five months. Uh, and then they've got a 23 receiver, Micah Gifford, who has a Pitt and UTSA offer. And the reason why I bring up the Pitt part is uh, Maynard, has old Chuck's, is it, Nua, I never could pronounce it, Nuabuco, is that how you pronounce it, Chuck's? Nuabuco. Yeah. Nuabuco. Well, his yeah. little brother, Che, goes to Maynard, which I was not aware of. Uh, he's currently committed to Pitt. So uh, a little bit of a Pitt-Panther connection in this game. Uh, with all that said, I'm going to go with Che and the Maynard Mustangs um, at home, and, and so I'll roll with that. Shea is also one of the most underrated players in the state. He's lightning fast. I think yeah. he's a really good running back. He's only ran a 10-400, I think. So, yeah. And one of the better times in the state, too. You know, you know what? I was going to say something I'm not going to. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. Well, my other question there's, is – There's this. no need to bring bring heat onto him, the kid. And it was going to be a harmful, harmless comment, but it would probably bring him some heat. So, I'm not going to okay. do it. And and is Chuck still at Tech? Because I looked on their roster and could not find him. Yet okay, it's uh, still there. Huh? First of all, it's Ch- it's Chooks. Is it Chooks? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Boy, it's name pronunciation. I'm mispronouncing the show. That's what we should name this one. Guy mispronouncing. <laughs> yeah, everything. God. I never met him. So when he, I think he was in uh, high school and I was in college. So that would not be a guy I ever ran into. He's good people. No, he is. Uh, good stuff. All right, let's move on to our next one here. Okay. So, but is he is he at Tech still? Or? Oh, yeah. From everything I know. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't think one. he's transferred to my knowledge, but. Okay. All right. Um, moving on to game number three. This is the double down game, fellas. Uh, Seven p.m. Friday night at Leopard Stadium in beautiful Lucas, Texas. Uh, the number eight Frisco Raccoons were seven and zero. Uh, we'll travel a little east to face off with the number three Lovejoy Leopards, who are also 7-0. Uh, Lovejoy enters this game as a 23-point favorite, according to DCTF Computer. I think that's a little stiff, personally. But um, anyway, I think this, again, is another district championship, this time in 7-5 AD2. Uh, I know this is a game that Mike uh, had his eyes on, so I'll let him jump at it first. 
in a game where I will be on Friday night at Leopard Stadium. You can find me. Um, this is a classic Styles Make Fights game. Um, you have the high-flying Lovejoy Leopards who shocked everybody on their almost run to the state title last year. Um, and what I would call probably the best coaching staff in the state of Texas. Uh, Chris Ross is a genius. Um, uh, Jason Lavender is a really good offensive uh, uh, coordinator that's over there. They've got dudes on defense. So they've got talent. They've got coaching. They'll be playing at home. I love what Frisco brings to the table. They're a physical running team. They play defense. They control the clock. And if they want to throw it over your head, they can. I think that – I think this game plays out one of two ways. It either plays out that Frisco beats Lovejoy in a close one or Lovejoy wins it pretty comfortably, pulling away at the end. Um, and so with that, I'm going to say that the outcomes favor, the odds favor Lovejoy. I'm going to roll with Lovejoy. And I, yeah. I no, no double for me. I'm just going to sing along. Oh, interesting. I'm going to go ahead and double down on Lovejoy. Um, you know, I feel confident. And, and then this week I'll go ahead and take that win from you, Mike. Um, but uh, that offense is really fun. You know, they lost their quarterback in Ralph Rucker last year. Um, but that being said, you know, they've replaced him with, you know, really good offensive production um, in the running game and in the passing game. 2024 wide receiver Parker Livingstone is somebody I'm pretty high on. Um, and honestly, you know, I'm going to have to think about it over the next couple of weeks before we do make playoff predictions. But this could very well be my 5AD2 state champion as well. So uh, give me Lovejoy. Yeah, so Nick and I were actually discussing Lovejoy a little bit in group text earlier today. Um, I think Lovejoy might be the best team um, in 5A, D2. I know they're, in my opinion, for sure the best team in, in Region 2, and that's me taking them over Alito at this point uh, and my beloved Sock. Um, it's funny, they lost Ralph Rucker, but they actually replaced him with another 24 talent, uh, just like Parker Livingstone with Alexander Franklin, who's thrown for close to 2,000 yards at this point this season uh, through the first eight weeks. Uh, he's totaled 33 touchdowns, and he's averaging five touchdowns through the air a game. So not a bad start for a sophomore. Um, and then another name that we've I've had on my radar for a couple of years, I think through our mutual friend O, is, is Kyle Parker, receiver. And he's part of a two-headed monster for them on offense. So um, yeah, I mean, I think if Frisco is able to kind of muddy up this game and, and pound the rock on the ground and, and be successful with that, uh, you could potentially cut this game in half and, and, and keep it close. Although I could see Lovejoy kind of running away with this like they have all season. Uh, so I'm going I'm to roll with the Leopards here as well, just like Nick. Um, okay, so moving on to our last big school game, uh, 7 p.m. Saturday night at Cyfair FCU Stadium in Cypress, Texas. The Cypress Ranch Mustangs, who are 5-1, and one, will play the Houston Langham Creek Lobos, who are 3-4. and four. Ranch enters this game as a 13-point favorite. Uh, really, the reason why I picked this game was that Saturday's a little light this week, uh, but I also know Nick covered these two uh, teams last week, so I thought, you know, give him a good chance to kind of recap some of that and tee it off. So I'll let Mike pick first, and then Nick, you can kind of discuss what you saw. Here we go. Just stacking them in favor of teams Nick has seen recently. Um, 
First of all, whose dog is being murdered in the background? Of okay, park? so I live <laughs> right next to a dog park. Like, we got the apartment that is right next to the dog park, and somebody's being very inconsiderate for the last, like, 30 minutes. So if y'all are picking up on that, I apologize. Okay, I was wondering who was strangling a dog in the background. <laughs> I'm about to be strangling a dog's owner when we get off this I podcast. thought it was fun <laughs> No, he's at my mom's. Okay. Yeah, crazy. Okay. Um, so back to the picks. This was actually a game I was going to be at. And then, you know what? Take, I got to take a little time for myself. Um, this weekend being the bye week and just take a, take a day off and spend some time with the wife and all that. So I will not be there. Um, Nick probably has a lot more expertise. There are some names in this game. Um, you know, when you look at what Langham Creek has, which of course Petaway and the quarterback uh, Tanner Murray, and um, then when you look at what Cypress Ranch has with um, with uh, oh Ashton uh, Parker Parker Porter Porter. There's a lot of Ashtons in my brain, and so like when I when I cycle to the word Ashton, the name that follows might be anything. Um, I think that looking at you know, what they've done against competition early in the year. Langham Creek may have the talent, but I think Cypress Ranch has probably the better team just, just on paper. Um, so I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Ranch or they, the, the Mustangs, right? Yes. Yeah. Th- these are, uh, these are two teams I saw last week. Um, Ashton Porter has been nursing an injury recently. He's only been coming in for uh, field goals and extra points for blocking situations, but all indications uh, point to him being able to play this Saturday. Um, and, you know, I think if he played or if he didn't, I think Cypress Ranch probably wins this game big. Um, Langham Creek, you know, they, they have, you know, a couple of offensive weapons around Petaway. They have another wide receiver, Alejandro Vasquez. And, you know, Santa Murray can get it done. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Cy Ranch is a little bit too much for them. I think Cy Ranch and Cy Park will end up being the, the district championship next week. Um, this that'll probably be another game we end up having in our pick'em, but uh, I think that'll make it like four weeks in a row. We've got a Cypress ISD game in our pick'em. Uh, it's a really talent-rich area part of the state right now. Boy, look, at look, look at Nick shamelessly yeah. plug that. God, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're celebrating you, Nick. You're, you're uh, apparently from Houston. So. Big CFISD guy right here. Well, I think this is actually the game that Nick uh, was trying to get us to be sold on before the season to go with him. I think on a Saturday night. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. We were all three going to go. That was always the plan. Correct. And now it said Colin is going to go. Is it now are any of us going to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think enough's been said about this game. I- I'm in a roll with Cy Ranch. I don't think this ranch team is as good as maybe some of their past uh, high-watermark teams have been. With that said, they're playing winning football, and they're still pretty good, and they have some talent uh, and-, and some pretty good spots. So, yeah, I'm going to roll with Ranch and just keep it simple here. Um, our last game here is our, our small school game, uh, but I also think it's a really fun game that's probably being overlooked a little bit. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Brema Stadium in Omaha, Texas, far northeast northeast Texas. The Dangerfield Tigers, who are 5-2, and two, will travel 15 minutes down the road to face off with their rival, the Omaha Paul Pewitt Bramas, who are 4-3. and three. Uh, I had to call our, our buddy Matt Stepp today to try and figure out what this rivalry is called. I believe it's called the Morris County Showdown. Uh, I know it's one that Craig Way has always dubbed as a very hate-filled rivalry, one of those deep East Texas rivalries that has a lot of history. Uh, for a long time, the two programs didn't play each other because the two schools were separate sizes. 
Uh, Dangerfield has, has thinned out a little bit and shrunk back to more of Pewitt size. And because of that, now they're in district uh, together. So uh, with that said, there's a lot on the line, both from a district play standpoint, this might be the district uh, championship in the end, uh, as well as just the, the longtime rivalry that is the Morris County showdown. So, Mike, I'll let you take it away. I think, um, yeah, this is from everything I've heard, and I've never covered this game, but this is a blood feud type of game. Like, this is a um, – there's some rivalries. In fact, what comes to mind is, like, Shirts Clemens versus uh, Converse Judson is called the friendly rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this one is not that. This is um, – there might be fights in the parking lot. There might be uh, mm-hmm. there might be some words exchanged. Um, I don't know that either of these teams has a ton of big recruiting names. I know that Dangerfield's got Aaron Hampton, who's a guy that in the twenty twenty four class that that's probably going to be a name to know. Um, Pewitt uh, made that great run to state a couple years ago, and, and a very physical run team. That's their bit. Um, I'm going to go with traditionally who, not knowing a lot, again, not knowing a ton about either of these teams. I'm going to go traditionally with who gets more talent on a regular basis, and that's Dangerfield. Um, and so I'll roll with uh, I'll roll with the Tigers here. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of a toss-up game. You could you could choose either of these teams for this game. Um, speaking of Aaron Hampton, that 2024 athlete from Dangerfield, he just picked up his first offer from TCU this past week. So congrats to Aaron. That's big time. Um, I'm sure he'll be DMing me about it. But I think He's I'm going to take uh, – multiple times this week. So, yeah. <laughs> we, we love Aaron. Um, I'm taking Paul Pewitt, though. Uh, this is a team that has been battle-tested so far this year. They've played some of the, the best teams in their classification in the state already. Granted, they've dropped a couple of those games, but I think they're a little bit more battle-tested. Um, and they got blown out in this game last year. I think they're going to come back with a little revenge on their home turf. So give me, uh, give me Omaha, Paul Pewitt. There's Nick just rushing to throw back that double down win he got over me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this game uh, recently, last year Dangerfield won big. Uh, but going back to that 2019 season that Mike referenced, um, Dangerfield won in the regular season, I think pretty comfortably. Um, and then in the playoffs, these two met again in what I believe was the regional final. Uh, it, was, it was a couple rounds deep. And Dangerfield jumped out to a really big lead early. And then Paul Pewitt in their slot T just chipped away and eventually came back. And I, I can recall that game just because uh, supposedly the crowds at it were incredible. So I'm thinking we'll see something similar to that this Friday. Uh, with that said, I think Danger feels the more explosive team this year. Uh, by all accounts I've heard on the phone today, it sounds like uh, the Brahmas are running their slot T well-oiled this year. Uh, but I like Aaron Hampton and co Aaron's been really good this year, both on offense and defense. Um, and, and he's kind of become one of my favorite kids since meeting him last December at, uh, Texas Flux's a uh, seven on seven, uh, tryout. So, uh, yeah, I'll roll with Dangerfield here as well. And that'll conclude our games. All right. Um, let's talk about last week, uh, uh, you guys are uh, you guys are going out on the road yourself this week uh, together. So, like one of you is is nominated to speak for the plans this week. But uh, before we get into those, guy, what did your last week look like? 
Yeah, so last Thursday, uh, very on-brand game for me. Went down to Seagaville to watch uh, South Oak Cliff play Seagaville. Um, ended up being a very lopsided game. But it was a great content game until I broke my um, my camera card. So uh, I have since found out yesterday that that card is indeed broken. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with that. So it may be a loss, but uh, still got some good conversations and, and – um, Interviews done after the game with Kyron Chambers, who's currently committed to Arizona. Uh, really strong, explosive defensive back and what is an already loaded SOC uh, DB core. Uh, and, and then talked to several other of their players. Uh, Randy Reese was a guy that stood out last week, 2023 receiver that uh, is extremely fast, really good route runner, just needs to work on consistency. That's always been my take. Uh, and then uh, another big-time name was – uh, Wild Man, which – how do you pronounce his first name, Mike? Because I don't want to get that wrong and be wrong again. Is it Jamari? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Because it's it's interesting spelling. So, yeah, Jamari Colley, Um He was great. Uh, took the top off defense a couple times and was just probably one of the more physically impressive players out there uh, on the field. That and time. just imagine, he's going to rush passers probably at the, high, at the college right. level. Yeah, he's not even probably playing his actual future position, but he, he is a good receiver at the high school level. So um, he's become a favorite of mine. It was, it was good to meet him finally. Um, and then Friday night um, was a little bit of a, a personal trip. Uh, went out to Godley, Texas, which was the first time I'd been there in about – 15 plus years probably and i hope to not be going back anytime soon um there's no real reason to go no godly is the type of place where if you're not going to godly you're probably not ever going to go to godly uh because it's a good 10 to 15 minutes off the beaten path and it's growing uh, you know i will say they've got a beautiful new school building out there they're about to build a second building for it so there's a lot of growth out there but uh yeah not really my thing uh, with that said, we were there to watch uh, Ferris play. Uh, our buddy Coach O's, the running backs coach and special teams coordinator over there. Uh, so had promised them a while back I'd come check them out. Uh, Ferris did get the W. Uh, Kai Rigdon, who's a 2024 athlete at this point, probably a defensive lineman in the future, uh, looked really good, had a handful of tackles, handful of sacks, uh, and made his presence known in the godly backfield constantly. Last thing I'll leave you with is I did find a nice little find. Um, Godley had a running back who just transferred there, Ethan Kazoo, who's a running back in the 23 class. Um, he's a Mansfield transfer. Family wanted to have more land and a bigger house, so they moved there, uh, which means he had to follow along. Uh, he's probably six foot, six one or so, uh, around 190 pounds, really explosive, versatile athlete. Actually, did most of his damage out of the backfield uh, by catching the ball. So, um, showed different types of skill sets and, and was a really good player the other night for Godly, despite them losing. So, uh, nice little gem to find. So. All right, Nick, how about you? So last Thursday, uh, stayed here in the Dallas area to go see Naaman Forrest against Wiley. Definitely won't be one of the better games I see all year. Uh, Naaman <laughs> Forrest, um, you know, they, they, they did their thing, had a pretty convincing win. I'll start by saying that uh, before the game, um, I was walking up in the press box, uh, scoping the perimeter on the second and third floors, trying to figure out where I was going to sit. And uh, I went on, went up some stairs to go to the third floor. 
And they were like outside stairs that you have to go go up to. And so when I came back down those stairs, there was uh, water all over uh, those stairs because uh, it had been raining on Wednesday night and Thursday morning. So as soon as my feet touched that tile on the second floor, I slipped and busted my ass all over the press box. My camera had had a part that busted busted off of it. Um, it was uh, quite embarrassing. There was a camera lady from CW33 who watched the entire thing go down. And I just got up, walked past her and said, you saw absolutely nothing. She was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, that was probably the most uh, uh, entertaining thing that happened. Uh, besides Marcus Deal, the four-star offensive lineman, who was the reason I was there for um, four-star offensive lineman, but Texas is recruiting him on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a defensive line. Um, this is a, you know, a, a guy who I think has a, a lot of projection on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think he's, you know, he could definitely be a top 150 player in the country, uh, really talented, really good size. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see how his recruitment shakes out with projection on both sides of the ball. And then on Friday, I made the trip down to Houston uh, to go see Harold Perkins in Cy Park against Bridgeland on Friday night. Um, Bridgeland, uh, their star quarterback, Connor Wigman, committed to Texas A&M. He only got in for about 15 to 18 snaps, and he wasn't really looking that great um, health-wise uh, when he was playing. He's been nursing a pretty bad hamstring pull. Um, so Cy Park won that game pretty handily. I talked to Harold Perkins uh, before the game. Um, he had his Under Armour jersey uh, presentation uh, at his high school in a pep rally on Friday uh, on Friday afternoon. And afterward, chopped it up with him for about 10 to 15 minutes and, you know, got a good sense of where his recruitment is at. You can go back and look at um, um, my content on Harold Perkins from this past week on Horse 24-7 and, and see what our conversation was about. Uh, and then on Saturday, had a doubleheader, uh, Langham Creek and Cy Lakes. Um, got to see Jacquez Petaway. Uh, the five-star wide receiver uh, target for Texas. You know, Texas, Texas A&M, and Alabama are the three schools that uh, we hear the most when, when talking about Petaway, and he continued to reiterate that. Um, and then Saturday night, went and saw Cypress Ranch against Cy Woods. Cypress Ranch had a, um, Ashton Porter, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, didn't uh, only got in for extra points and field goals as he's nursing an injury himself. Uh, but Texas, Clemson, and Alabama are the three schools that are standing out for him at the moment. Uh, and then also found two guys for Cy Woods that I think could be Texas targets down the line. If I had to bet on which one it would be, though, I would say 2023 linebacker Dylan Rogers. Um, he's uh, only has one offer so far from Ole Miss, uh, but he's really instinctual, covers a lot of space from the inside linebacker position. I think that's a guy that Texas will definitely look at moving forward. Um, he's been in contact with linebackers coach Jeff Choate quite a bit. Uh, and then on the defensive line for Cy Woods, Terrence Green, big six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds, uh, really rangy, and was in the backfield all night. He does he only has an offer from Lamar so far, but Baylor seems like they're close to pulling the trigger. I think once he gets that first Power Five, everyone else is going to follow follow in. He's been in contact with quite a bit of schools. I think everyone's just kind of waiting on the first one to pull the trigger. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But that was what I did last week. All right, um, Thursday night, I called an audible. I was supposed to go with Guy to Seagaville to see our beloved South Oak Cliff Golden Bears and uh, instead had to go. Sometimes you got to go where the story is, man. Um, a wise man told me that once. Uh, so I uh, drove out to, uh, to the east side of Houston to go see a Nick Harris special and uh, see North Shore take on uh, Summer Creek on Thursday night game. Uh, the reason I went out there and I, I went into detail on this that night on the website is that we had heard uh, from some people, some serious people, that um, there was something brewing with Texas and Kelvin Banks. Um, <clears throat> after going out there and talking to some people near Banks and, and 
um, and, and Bakes himself off the record. I, I'm not sure it was quite as strong as it was described to me. Bakes did tell me he remains in contact with Texas. He is still pondering a visit, but um, he, he remains firmly committed at this point. That said, Texas is going to work all the way through this to see if they can uh, gain any ground. Uh, also in that game, Chris Ross, who played one of the better games I've seen from a prospect this year, um, was was really disruptive inside, moved outside a couple times, and even gave Banks some problems um, as a defensive end. I thought he had a really strong performance. I really like that kid. I, I mean, I think he probably gets forgotten a lot in this class, but uh, with the group of, of D-line talent they have, but I, I really like that kid. He, he's, he's probably not as high upside as a lot of people think or, or a lot of people want. But I love the floor. I think he's going to be a solid, solid defensive line player for, for this team. Um, and then Denver Harris, of course, who uh, spoke to him for a little bit. Texas still, you know, in that top two group with him, uh, with along with Alabama. I think that this one goes down to the wire. I think Texas is the comfort pick. If he chooses to stay comfortable and stay close to home, it's probably Texas. Um, I think he will watch and see how this LSU situation plays out, but – uh, you know, other than that, it's Texas or Bama, and I think that that Texas is the comfort pick. And then on Friday, um, I went to uh, stayed local, went to my first game this year at uh, at Choctaw Park, which uh, used to be uh, Globe Life. Which I got some things to say about the the new experience at the Globe. Um, first of all, they make you park down the block to go to that thing. Mm. Well, is it the parking lot right there by the end of the opposite tunnel? Because we had the park there last year for the playoffs. I yes. thought that comment of yours was interesting last week. Well, okay. So, actually, now that I'm remembering, let me explain why I made the comment at the time and then why it wasn't as big of a deal. I thought that the media pickup was still where it used to be, which was down on, like, the home plate side of the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And so – I parked there and I'm like, I got to walk all the way down there mm -hmm. uh, from here. And so um, I learned it was not there. I still don't know where it is because I didn't get a media badge. The lady at the gate was like, just go in. I don't care. Yeah, so then, it's right there on that corner of what would be, what, Six Flags and – It's Road to Six Flags and uh, Ballpark, I And think. Ballpark, yeah. So it's actually – they've – yeah, they, they moved everybody, but they actually adjusted it to help us out more, I think. so. Well, yeah, so now that I think about that, you are correct. But when I thought I had to walk all the way down to the home plate gate, that's when I sent the text to you guys, and I was like, this is insane. Um, so, again, <laughs> don't know where it is because the lady waved me in, and then the guy on the field was like, I need to see your badge. And I'm like, I didn't get one. The lady just said go in. So um, – he let me stay, but uh, we'll see. Um, in that game, it was uh, Arlington Martin versus Arlington Bowie. Uh, obviously, for Martin, JV and Taviano was the guy to see, and he was incredible, uh, both offensively and defensively, as Martin steamrolled Bowie. Um, on, uh, for Bowie, Devon Campbell had a really strong game, played well against um, uh, against R.J. Cooper, who's committed to Stanford. I thought really kind of dominated R.J. in that game. Um, you know, coming out of it, I think the main takeaways I got from both those guys were for, for Devon, you know, it's, it's Oklahoma's probably Oklahoma and Alabama are probably making this more uncomfortable for Texas than they'd like. Um, this recruitment right now at this point reminds me of the Alfred Collins recruitment quite a bit. 
Um, we'll see if it ends that way. That'd be great for Texas if it did. Um, and then with Jamie and Taviano, sounds like he is very close to narrowing things down. Sounds like a top five could be coming. Um, and if it does, I expect Texas to be in it. So uh, it was a it was a pretty good week. Um, all right, which one of you wants to speak about your trip this week? Yeah, so I'll let Nick speak since it's on his official basis. I'll just comment where I see fit. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, me and Guy, we're going to take off early in the morning. I have a Spanish test at 930, and then directly after, we're heading to HP uh, to meet up with Guy. And then we are heading down to uh, Louisiana. Uh, tomorrow night on Thursday, we're going to see uh, Ponchatoula play against Fountain Blue, um, which I thought it was Fontaine Blue, but I was uh, rudely corrected by uh, the Poncha, uh, Ponchatoula head coach. Uh, I say briefly, it was not rude at all. He was just like, I'm just letting you know it's Fountain Blue. I was like, okay, good to know. Um, but we're going to go see a five-star safety, uh, Jacoby Matthews, who just took a, an official visit to Texas this past weekend. Uh, really excited to see him. Um, and it's actually going to be at neither of their high schools. It's going to be at Lakeshore High School. It's 20 minutes uh, outside of both of the – it's it's just some, some it, Louisiana It's in Mandeville, stuff. which is, you know, just there by the Mississippi Riverbanks. It's all, you know, north of New Orleans a little bit. But – yeah. Long story short, we're going to have to hustle tomorrow afternoon on about uh, what seven and a half hour drive to get there. So I was going to say, what is that drive in nine thirty? Wait, so your test is at nine thirty? Yeah, it's probably going to take me about thirty minutes, and then we already did the math on it. We're going to be getting there right at game time, like six thirty or seven. It's going to we're going to be cutting it close. I think guys going to have to do some speeding down I ten. Oh man, there's going to be no time for fun food stops on this one. Well, uh, maybe drive throughs You never know. Um, but on Friday, we will have time for fun food spots. We're going to be staying in Baton Rouge. Uh, our Airbnb, the name of it is called Tiger in the Garden. So if you've seen it on Guy's Twitter in the past couple of weeks, that's what it's in reference to. Uh, so we're going to be staying at the Tiger in the Garden and uh, catching some food options in Baton Rouge on Friday, most likely. Um, I am trying, still working, to go swing by Madison Prep Academy on Friday afternoon to see uh, Quincy Wiggins, um, the uh, four-star defensive lineman who also took an official visit to Texas this past weekend. Uh, but Friday night, the reason we are in Baton Rouge is uh, to go see Jamon Tap. The four-star edge uh, out of uh, Donaldsonville, Ascension Catholic. They're going to be playing against East Iberville. Um, uh, really excited to see him in person. He does some stuff on both sides of the ball for them. His uh, his nickname has become QB2 because whenever the game turns into a blowout, they just throw him in at quarterback and have fun. So I'm really excited to see that happen because East Iberville is 0-6. So I, I feel like we're going to get some, uh, some QB2 action. And then uh, on Saturday, we're going to go down – oh, go ahead, guys. Before Sorry we that. move on to Saturday – I was telling Nick, you know, if we do go to Madison Prep, that is home to one of my all-time favorite Texas Longhorns, <laughs> and Malcolm story. Roach, uh, aka. I saw him on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. aka hashtag Two Tracy. That's one of my all-time favorites. So, um, and uh, and hang on, little note. And I was telling Nick because I think you're about to say this. <laughs> Sorry for forgot it was my show. Yeah, <laughs> I said, uh, you know, Nick, his father is the head coach of Madison Prep, or at least he was. And he Used said, really, he is and, no longer. Correct. He is no longer. He is no I longer. I did figure that out. Okay. I well, figured that out. Well, his name is Mike Roach, too, which I was not familiar with the Mike part. So I thought, <laughs> what's the coincidence there? You know, it's pretty crazy. So Me and Guy were on the phone when we came to that epiphany. We laughed for about 20 seconds. Like, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. I didn't know his name was Mike. I thought that part was pretty funny. You guys could have asked me. I'd have told you that like five years ago. <laughs> well, I knew he was the coach. I didn't know his name. But I didn't know he wasn't there anymore either. So that's good to know. So. All right, next Saturday. 
Saturday, we're going to go down to New Orleans once again to see Warren Easton against uh, Lutcher, I believe, correct? No. So originally we thought it was Lusher and it was going to be a 2.30 kick. Now they're playing Eleanor McMain. That's right. At 7 o'clock. Which, That's oh right. God, this, yeah, anyway, I'll let Nick finish. And Warren Easton has the uh, three-star corner commit, uh, Ronald Champ-Lewis, who Mike saw a couple weeks ago against Edna Carr. Uh, whenever uh, Mike was on vacation is when the whole Champ-Lewis things went down. So, you know, I've, I've, I really like Champ. He was very, uh, you know, um, appreciative of the coverage that week and I was appreciative of him. So uh gonna go finally meet him in person and um have that bonding experience, you know. So and I didn't get to talk to him um when I went out there because they lost in horrific, heartbreaking fashion. Just hours after Texas lost in horrific, heartbreaking fashion to Oklahoma. Uh what a day that was for me. And um and he was just uh he was too heartbroken to talk. Not only does Warren Easton have um, Champ Lewis, um, who is is definitely worth watching? Wallace Foster, their 2024 cornerback, yeah. is about as good as anybody I've seen uh, this year. And then I'll be really interested in y'all's opinion on little number two for Warren Easton. He's a wide receiver. He's about five seven, five eight. I think his name's. I think it's pronounced. It's Leon. I think it's pronounced. Eloi, E-L-L-O-I-E. He is a 10-400 kid, a 2102-200 meter kid. Another pronunciation there. He can fly. So um, I'm going to have to hook you guys up with my guy Marlon over there at Recruit the Boot. He's a Baton Rouge guy, so maybe he can can hook up with you all too. For sure. Yeah, Um, and the reason why I I cringe is as soon as that game goes final, we're going to drive all the way back to Dallas. So Okay, that was going to be my next question was what was the plan – back yeah so yeah that's why i, I cringe that the we so basically they play lusher next week so we just looked at the wrong date which you know okay so then that game's gonna end at 10 we'll talk to you know wallace and champ and all that we'll get out of there about 10 30 and then we're gonna do the midnight haul all the way back to dallas and get back at i guess like 6 a.m it's gonna suck yeah <laughs> it's gonna be a beautiful sunday but at least texas and the cowboys are off this week so i I'm not watching any football. I'm just sleeping. Who's driving back? <laughs> I, I, I'm we'll, always, I'm always down. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll. I think there's a good, you know. Usually, it's just <sighs> been solo me, but uh, I think we may take shifts this time. That's going to be a good deal. A crazy. Drive. That's that's a lot of darkness and woods for a lot of hours. Um, man, God bless you, boys. Um, all right, I am uh, Thursday night. Uh, which is um, tomorrow. I am headed out to. Why am I blanking on this? I San Marcos. That's right, Del Valle at San Marcos. I was like, I know I've got credentials. Where are they? Um, I'm going not going to San Marcos. I'm going to Del Valle uh, with our good friend Matt Step um, in a game that I talked him into preseason. And even though I had some thoughts pulling out of it this week, I thought, mm-hmm. well, I talked Step into this, so I can't do that. Um, we're going to go see uh, what Del Valle has again. I, I Last time I saw him, it was against Westlake, so not a great evaluation opportunity, but do love Braylon James. They're, they're very talented, 2023 wide receiver. Sam Marcus has some kids too, as Guy can attest, because he and I went and saw them uh, during the summer. Um, so uh, I think that both those teams will have some, some intriguing guys for sure. And then Friday night, as we already mentioned, Lovejoy and Frisco High. Uh, of course, Frisco home to Cole Hudson. Lovejoy has a lot of guys I like. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Parker. You mentioned uh, Parker you mentioned Livingstone. Uh, uh, Parker Livingstone. Um, uh, 
They've got a, a 2024 linebacker, Peyton Pierce, who I think is going to be a big-time kid. Uh, they've got uh, a couple of other under-the-radar types on their defense. Philip Jost, another linebacker I really like. Uh, that's a loaded program that's only going to get more talented. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. Did you guys know, by the way, that their strength, head strength and conditioning coach is Yancey McKnight? I did not know that. Yeah, so Yancey, he has some connection to Highland Park right now. And so he's been – so a couple Highland Park games at home when I've been around lately, including the Longview one, he was wearing something that looked team-related. I couldn't tell what it was. So that's interesting you say that because I was curious where he landed at. Okay, He's been running – I don't know that I would call him their head strength conditioning coach. I don't know that he's actually on staff, but he has absolutely been running their workouts in the offseason. So, okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I knew he was local now because he, he's been at Highlander a couple times, and then he was wearing some team-related stuff. I was like, I'm curious where he's at now. So, Yep, so funny how that happens. Yep. All right, fellas, um, anything else you want to add before we sign off here? I'm about to go full Karen on this dog owner out here. That's all I know. Once we get off this show, and I don't do this often, but, man, I am excited. I'm excited. I'm about to go full Karen. Yeah, my last <laughs> comment's a question to Nick. Uh, since when did Lovejoy drop the Lucas from their name officially? Um, whenever I was living in Allen, they were Lucas. So at least up until 2015. Um, What's I don't know how recent. Do you know why? Probably since they're the only school in Lucas, so there's probably no reason to have it. Okay. I just that would be my guess. When I was in high school, they were Lucas Lovejoy. So I made sure to get what that a- correct today. What an electric ending to the podcast! All right, fellas, <laughs> triple fake. Um, I'm gonna send you. Uh, I'm gonna send you a food recommendation that Billy and Gabe sent to me for New Orleans uh, for for Saturday. So awesome! Um, if you guys like po' boys, yep. they got good ones. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, we want to thank you guys for listening, for watching along. We're back on the YouTube now that we have. Um, uh, connected ISDN lines, basically, or, or uh, I'm sorry, Cat5 lines to keep our, our connection stable. Um, we want to thank everybody for playing along. Like I said, we're going to work that mailbag show in probably once a month. So maybe next week we uh, we do that coming off the buy since there probably won't be a ton to talk about. Um, I just cursed us. There's probably going to be a lot of news over the weekend. Um, for Nick Harris, for Guy Frazier, who's uh, kind of a regular on the show now, I'm Mike Roach, and we will see you guys next week.